Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the Believe in Mavs podcast. As always, I am your host, Wyatt Huskins, alongside Alex Tisopoulos. And Alex, it's a downer Thursday for us here on the Believe in Mavs podcast, as not only do the Mavs fall to the Cavs, but Maxi Kleba sustained a torn hamstring in practice on Tuesday. Alex, let's start there. What impact is this going to have on the Mavericks and who needs to step up down the stretch in order to maintain at least a 500 record, if not get back to their winning waves? Um, I mean, it has a tremendous impact, obviously, specifically defensively. If you look at Maxi's stats, as most people would when they're just like, oh, how's that guy playing this year? Right. He's he's averaging under seven points per game. He's um, he's under five rebounds a game. But what he does defensively as really the only competent defender who has some switchability on our team, like as far as as far as front court guys go. I mean, I know how you feel about JaVale and you think he shouldn't be in the NBA. Um which, it's time, JaVale. Yeah, that's that that's a different that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, but I agree that Maxi is absolutely he was our best rim protector. He always fared pretty well um off of a switch when he had to guard a smaller guy, a guard or, or a forward who could dribble. Um, you know, he's a guy that put his body all the way out there for the team, just like Dwight Powell does every single night. Um, His energy, his intensity, his ability to pick and pop with Luca, obviously was something um, that we really appreciated. I'm, I'm grateful that the Mavs signed him um, in this off season and gave him that three year, 33 mil, very well deserved. And um, yeah, obviously like when you, when you evaluate it from like a roster standpoint, it's like, Oh, it's a bummer to have a guy who could, possibly be out the rest of the rest of the season hopefully not any longer than that um and to know that you know that's costing you 10 mil but at the same time like it was well deserved by maxi he was he was instrumental in that run that western conference run um to get to the western conference finals against golden state warriors but yeah man it's it's a it's a bummer and i think it's not necessarily something that anyone on the roster currently can kind of pick up the slack that will now be there with with maxi out um, and it's either a decision, it's a decision that Nico and, and Mark are going to have to make where, and Jason, obviously, um, do you go and get a guy who can replace Maxi's minutes or do you kind of cut your losses here and you play with the guys that you have and, and you see what they can, what they can do. You give JaVale, JaVale more minutes, I guess you give Dwight more minutes. Um, you run some small ball lineups and put. I don't know. Like we just, we put Christian at the five and Dorian runs a lot of four. Like, is this just going to mean that Dorian's going to have to play almost 40 minutes a night? Um, I, I don't know, but they have some decisions to make. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't know if there's anybody that we can go and get who's available, who can fill those minutes and fill that role that Maxi does just as a big guy who can switch as well as he does. And out of this four and five spot instead of just a five, that's a pretty good rim protector. Like there are guys, I mean, Nerlens Noel can give you some of what Maxi gives you, right? We discussed that on the last, on the last podcast. Yeah. 
but he's not going to be able to switch like Maxi is. He's not going to be able to play the four. He's going to be exclusively playing the five. And he's not, he's, you know, he's best suited to probably only give you 10 to 15 minutes in a game. I don't really know where the Mavs go from here on this injury front. I think the best solution in-house would be for Doe to just step up and play 40 minutes at the four, maybe. I mean, that's tough to ask a guy. I mean, we might have to go small and like ask Luca to guard the four sometimes. Honestly, oh, I I imagine that that will happen. Um, I I imagine that kid will have to be creative in order to replace these minutes from Maxi Kleba. You, you saw an uncreative solution, I think, last night, uh, trying to replace Maxi's minutes, and it didn't work out. Of course, this was a, I mean, this is a fantastic Cavs team. I I that was the first time I got to watch them, and. They are everything that I that I thought they were and more, especially with Donovan Mitchell playing lights out, playing revenge basketball, coming out and wanting to punch the Mavericks in the mouth after knocking him out of the playoffs and forcing him to change teams in the offseason. Yeah. But, you know, Doe's got to step up. I mean, last night, you know, kind of to transition a little bit, keep this, the discussion on Maxi going, plus move into this Cavs loss last night. You know... Doe didn't come out with the energy that he normally does. And you saw that reflected in the lineup change in the second half. Doe's going to have to step up and be the elite player. Obviously not elite, right? But elite for his skill set, that three and D guard, the best player on the floor night in and night out. He's going to have to step up and be the best version of himself. Yeah. Every single night from here on out while Maxie's out, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I do think to talk about that Cavs game, I mean, obviously this is a team that's, they're 18 and 11. It's a big win for them because they had not been playing well on the road. I think they're six and nine now on the road or, or something about, about definitely under 500, a tremendous record at home for them. Um, they obviously have the the tandem duo of, of Garland and Mitchell and Mitchell shot. Unbelievable. World, otherworldly in this game. He was locked in from the jump. Um, again, like you said, it's a revenge game for him. I thought there were some bright moments though, in this game, I, I wasn't, I wasn't demoralized by this loss. I thought we, um, we played pretty poorly, especially yes. offensively. We shot pretty poorly on the, on the Dorian note. I mean, Harp was saying it on the broadcast. He was just so indecisive. Yeah. Got to make a decision. And I thought that Reggie, uh, you know, on the other side, Reggie's that, back. By the Reggie's, way, Reggie, Reggie, officially is back. back. He is shooting well, and he is when he when he has an open look, he is firing away. He was not shy from letting it fly last night, and that's how he has to be. And obviously, that the shot has to fall, of course. Um, but again, as we've talked about many and many a times, like majority of those shots, majority of Reggie's shots are wide open, so they should fall. Right? Yes. You're an NBA, you're an NBA basketball player. That's what you're in the game to do: is shoot and make threes. Um, you'll go through stints where you're cold and you know, that's, that's the way it goes. And obviously Reggie, this is a consistent thing for him to start the season off slowly and then get into it, get into his rhythm. Um, you know, and his, his percentage is slowly climbing and I, we're almost, we're back in the thirties. Um, we're heading in the right direction for him. So I, I'm confident that he's going to get more minutes with that, you know, even when Josh comes back and and hopefully that's not something that, that lingers and lasts a long time because mm-hmm. we need him out there. Um, Frank's Absolutely. given us valuable minutes, but in Tim McMahon's article where he was just relaying like where the circumstances of the Mavs are now with, with Maxi Kleba's injury, 
he called Josh Green a reserve, and I completely disagree. He can't be a reserve for us. He can't. He has to I think be. He has to start. He either has to start like you want or him play to, starters minutes for sure. Somewhere between twenty five and and thirty two minutes a game, I think at the minimum. Yeah. Um. He needs to be out there that much. We need him. We need his three point shooting. We need his versatility offensively to to run up and down the court. Um. It's just a tough thing, man. When you're asking Tim and Reggie and Doe to hit three pointers at a forty percent or higher rate, or a thirty seven percent or higher rate, um, and then in a game like this where they shoot thirty four percent collectively from three, but not even that, we missed very easy opportunities at the rim. Frank missed an easy layup. You texted me, and I I actually didn't get to watch the game until later, so that's why I didn't text oh, back because I gotcha. was like, I don't want to get into this and and figure out what's going on in the game. Um, but Luca missed multiple opportunities right, right at the rim within mm-hmm. six feet. Yeah. Would miss multiple opportunities. And I know that those guys, you know, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are, um, they're some of the best rim protectors in the league, but I thought a lot of those opportunities were ones that we should make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's something though. I, to, you know, tip a cap to the Cavs, they really know what they're doing as far as I wish, I really wish we had that weak side lob catcher because what they do offensively working through the high post with Mobley as a passer, while I didn't think he create created shots well for himself, what he was able to give Jared Allen was so just like three easy lob dunks. I mean, there was always someone just in the lob catch spot. Um, what's, what's the, their forward that they Stevens was like, he was getting easy yep. buckets. Um, and obviously like they can push pace. Like we can't because their guys have so much speed. Garland is, he's awesome. I really like him. Yeah, I think he's a great player. I, you know, I don't like to get too negative. I don't like to get too positive either on this, on this Dallas Mavericks team, especially, you know, with the Maxi injury. Like my take on that though, like I, we played a bad game. Like it's a good team and I thought we played bad, but we still fought. Right. Like we didn't. Yeah. We easily. I thought it was a tale of two halves. Yeah. Yeah, And I thought, and I want to start off with the second half. Okay. Because I, I actually, I wrote something down that I would like to relate to the people and to you, Alex. I want to see what you think about this. I thought that in the second half, the Mavs played some of their best basketball, especially defensively of the entire season last night. If not some of their best, like they're just straight up their best defensive effort at times in that second half for the majority of the second half too. I think we, I I think would we say, had two shot clock violations in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter that we forced mm-hmm. gritty defense. There was another possession really where we should have had a, where we should have had a third, but Mitchell kind of slipped out and he got that layup at the very end yep. of the shot clock. Yeah, I thought in the third quarter, there was two or three possessions where the Mavs played amazing defense and the Cavs just pulled a crazy shot out of their ass and were Jared, able to the Jared just Allen it. banker and the yep. Lamar yep, Stevens the little... banker off the left glass. That was exactly that one. Yeah. And then, like you said, the Mitchell, the Mitchell shot where he's just kind of falling away and kind of just chunks it up. And wow, it's just in there. That's the kind of night that Donovan Mitchell and the Cavaliers had last night. Yeah. With that being said, in the fourth quarter, in the second half, the Mavs tried, but the Cavs were just too much. Mitchell, once again, lights out. This team, out of the half, kid made the right adjustment starting Reggie and Seawood. And outside of a couple of mistakes, they played their best defense of the entire season. In order for this team to win basketball games, they have to play that defense from tip-off to the end of the game. There's just 
no way around it. You can live with a couple of mistakes. Like I said, there was a couple in that second half rotational mistakes. They're going to, they said after the game that they're going to look at it, see who and where they were messing up on those, you know, mistakes. Yeah. You have to correct those. I think it's going to happen no matter what in a game. You know, it's just human nature. You're going to forget. You're going to say, oh, shoot, I should have rotated over. Luca was left by himself, two on one situation down there at the cup. But in order to win, you have to have that defense. Luca has to be superstar in the third quarter that he was, which in the third quarter in the second half, playing all the way through until, you know, blowout time, right? Yeah. He was phenomenal. He has to play like that the entire game. Spencer Dinwiddie has to be your second best player. And that's just a reality. He has to be confident. He has to be aggressive. And he has to be making his shots. Not only that, he has to lead the second unit, not just as an isolation scorer, which we've said multiple times that that is his, that's his game. We need him to play above himself and not just be an isolation scorer, which I thought at times last night he played outside of himself and was able to do that. Seawood has to be your third best player. Last night, he was probably your second or third best player. It was him and Reggie, I think. Reggie did a lot on defense. Seawood was able to bring that energy, especially on the offensive side of the ball when we were really lagging behind. I, I, I thought he was our second best player last night. I, I will say, first thing that came to my mind, just like ruminating on that game, was that he's a better he's a better shooter than John Collins is. He is. Yeah. I think we can, I, 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 we had that we had that debate and we were kind of on the fence about it. When when he is confident, like the shot from three is there. Now I don't need the sidestep no. corner three that he tried to shoot over Jared Allen, but every other in rhythm open three that he took, like it looked good. He looked confident. It was the the opposite of what I was talking about with Dorian. But I'm I'm with you, man. Like I think yeah, Spencer has to create for others. Um Tim, obviously, like he he's so streaky, and that's that's such a problem for us. Like we can't have that streakiness from him. But I know that's just hit, who I know Tim Hardaway hit, Jr. is, though. I know, and I know he hit that that three pointer at the end of the half. Obviously, that was an incredible play, the behind the back by Luca. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a little. I thought it was a little lucky, honestly. He, well, I thought it was lucky. I didn't think that Tim would be able to catch that ball so low. I mean, yeah, at, at times catch. this this team has been. I don't know. Their hands haven't been there, you know, at times, especially sure. on Luca passes. And, you know, a lot of the times, unfortunately, they're just not ready to shoot. Yeah, Tim I was ready we, to I shoot thought, in that situation, though. Your observation of the two halves playing two halves of basketball, I think that's that can be said for a lot of teams, right? Yeah. Um, I will say, like, for us, it's about we can't have an abysmal half, which is we we are we are such a what volatile happened? team that it's either it's in it's either very very good or it's very very bad. Mm-hmm. There is not much okay, we had an average half. Our average is built from outliers. Like that that's like that's what the Mavericks are right now. And until we can like I mean Luca, yeah, I, I was proud that he played that entire third quarter. I mean he came out with like what like 10 seconds left or like 4 seconds left or something like that. And then he came right back in. And then he came right back in for the fourth quarter. And he played, you know, until we were completely out of it at the very end of the game. But I was, I was, it was encouraging to see that he had enough gas in the tank to do that and actually look like himself still in the fourth quarter. Um, he was absolutely not engaged in the first half. No, he was he sloppy was with the ball. And in moments where 
like what makes you average as opposed to detrimental in a half is taking care of the ball, still getting to the free throw line for him. If the shots aren't falling, they aren't falling, but you can't give away offensive rebounds and you can't you can't give the ball away. Um and I felt like the Cavs really had I mean, Bickerstaff for sure told his guys, push the pace as much as possible early on. They're a really well-coached team. They do not take their foot off the gas for a second, and I think that comes from coaching. For sure. It's That's just, I mean, I really wish that the Mavericks were like that because we're obviously not, and I think Kid wants them to be like that. I think he wants more than anything for them to be like that, to bring that energy and effort for all 48 minutes in a game. But for some reason, we just can't. Uh, especially in that first half, just, yeah, like you said, just sloppy with the ball guys, not making shots. It's, it's really, I think it comes down to when guys aren't making shots, just everybody just gets dejected. And it's, it's so unfortunate because when we're not making shots and still playing with energy and effort on the defensive end, we keep the game close. And that's what you saw in the second half. Right. That's like that, that initial, what it was like 16 to two run at the very beginning of the game. Like that ended up being the difference of the game. I actually thought that I completely agree with you. I actually thought that the shot quality favored the Mavericks this game. We made it pretty tough. I mean, Donovan Mitchell. I think so too. Donovan Mitchell was just lights out. There's nothing you can do about that. At the end of the day, it's a 29 points per game score. Like if you give him any space, he is going to shoot. And at that point in my mind, that's a good shot, right? What, what isn't a good shot is end of the shot clock where we were really pressing up on him and he wasn't forcing it because it wouldn't have been a good shot. Like that's the guy mm-hmm. that takes what the defense gives him. And obviously he has, um, he's outstanding when he's slashing to the paint and his ability to kind of like maneuver the ball. You know, you saw him do the kind of the, the dribble over, right. The power dribble over. Um, he likes that a lot. I, his wingspan and how easily he can palm the ball. I forget until he's doing it, but for yeah. a guy of his height, um, it's really rare though those traits to have those traits. I just I thought we actually mitigated Karis Levert very well in this game. And I thought defensively, uh, while Mobley got some easy stuff at the rim, he had a tough time like from twelve to to eighteen feet. I actually think yes. he gave him a really tough time there. And and Jared Allen, of course, like he really only scores from dunks anyway. So yeah, that that wasn't too much of an issue. But I uh yeah, man, I I'm not I'm not too too discouraged by this loss outside of the fact that, you know, Maxi, which he didn't even play in this game. Um, but that, that injury is, it's catastrophic and it's, it's heartbreaking for him. Cause I just yeah. love, I also just like watching him play. I do too. I think that just, he always gives it everything he's got, especially on defense at times when he is wide open, he's not confident in shooting the ball and you can see it, you know, yeah, it just comes and he just bricks it off the, off the backboard, not even touching the rim. And that's unfortunate. But when he is locked in on both ends of the court and is confident in his shot, he is a difference maker. He's one of those, I mean, Harp especially was talking about the guys on the Cavs team that do the dirty work. He was really emphasizing that their bench is full of guys who like to do the dirty work. Maxie is one of those guys. You have to have one of those guys, preferably multiple of those guys, which I think we do have at the end of the day. I think Dwight, preferably off the bench. You know, I think we'd all prefer that. He yeah. does the, he would be a guy who does the dirty work off the bench. Maxi obviously one of those guys. Unfortunately, he's going to be out. Josh Green, one of those guys who does the dirty work and is evolving to be an even better player beyond that. 
Dorian, another guy who does the dirty work, oh, Reggie, sure. another guy who does the dirty. Like we have a team full of those guys. Unfortunately, you know, outside of that, several of those guys are limited in their skill set. Right. But we have, you know, once this team is playing to its fullest potential, which I think we saw a lot of that in the second half, we are a playoff team. We are a maybe a Western Conference finals contender. And then if we make additions outside of this team right now, possibly a finals contender. Like I said, I think we need more talent just at the yeah. top end of this team. I... But, you know, we'll see what happens. What do you got? What's going on? I don't know. I just, well, I just, I'd like to think that. We, we saw win. it last year. I mean, I know we obviously win. the big difference is JB, right? But we saw yeah, it last yeah. year. Yeah. We got to win some games. We got to win some games. We definitely have to win some games. I, I will say, like, I like this Cavs team a lot. Oh, they're um, my sleeper out of the East right now. You know what, though? I Here's my, this has nothing really to do with, I mean, obviously, there's more tape, right? When I watch them play the Mavs, um, handling a, a superstar, you know, that's always something that that interests me, like how they defend him, uh, how they treated him. Do they double? Do they not? Do they try and let him score and and um, see how many points can can Luca do it all by himself, or do they go for the tactic of make Luca pass immediately? Um, but my biggest concern for them is if they have enough depth. And I don't I agree. They gave up a lot in that trade for Donovan Mitchell. And right now, I mean, they run that five out there. Lamar Stevens, who they've kind of stumbled into this guy being a starter yeah. for them. I think some of it is circumstantial because they felt like he's a bigger body than a He's taller. So he's better suited um, to, to guard Luca. And also a is playing atrocious offense right now. And, you know, the guys off the bench for them, Karis Levert, who I think, in any given year would be a guy that could vie for a six man award. Yes. Um, great score. But Kevin Love is not the same guy. I think that was pretty apparent. I mean, he didn't yeah. have his legs underneath him this entire game. Every shot he was putting up, I was like, oh, thank goodness, Kevin's shooting it because I know it's not going in. Yeah. As long as we get the defensive rebound, like that's our ball. And then Okoro had that nice dunk, obviously, where he, where he slipped past Christian um, on a not great closeout, but. Why are you closing out on <laughs> Isaac Okoro? Please let him shoot. Like yeah, the guy's averaging shoot, yeah. less than four points per game. Like what are we? What are we doing? But I don't know. I mean, their depth—it's kind of a question mark for me. It's a big question mark. I think, yeah, especially uh, the the depth, the lack of depth paired with the fact that Darius Garland, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley have not been deep in the playoffs before. Right. That I mean, th- those are all fair points. I think if they make one or two moves at the deadline to strengthen that depth you know, bring more talent off of that bench. I think that they would be a great matchup with the Celtics at the end of the Eastern playoffs. Like if they're in the Eastern Conference finals with the Celtics, I think that's a great matchup. I think it will be a really fun series if we're able to see that happen. Like I said, their team, if Evan Mobley is able to mature throughout the season, which last night I think a lot of his struggles were just him being a young player. He needs to be, you know, more decisive. Harp, like we've said, like Harp says all the time, he needs to be more mis- decisive, especially in that mid-range game where he's getting deed up right there, and he yeah, can't. I mean, you know, he he's got to make the pass. When he catches fifteen feet from the hoop, and he's and this is like the problem that I had a lot of times with KP. Mm-hmm. It was like Evan Mobley caught the ball in the post with either Spencer, Reggie, or Tim on him. Yep, 
You should score every time. Every time. Every time. Okay, the one move like Frank has a savvy defensive play where he where he, you know, he he uh, drew the charge. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's fine. If I'm a coach, I live with that. That's yep. my that's my big trying to take advantage of a matchup. Um, but I think he's still like, I don't know if it's necessarily like a weight thing. Like he could put on a you know five three five more pounds, I guess. But I don't think that's what it necessarily is. I think it's just you know using your strength, using your size. Got to be aggressive. Yeah. And getting and getting to the cup, and, it, and I think what, that comes with just maturity. I, sure. Like I said, I think that once he, if he's able to see in this season, I think I think it's a real possibility that he could figure it out throughout the season. Just because I think there's just that one, the depth, and then him stepping up away from being a finals contender in my yeah. eyes. Yeah, they're just I, that. I like that. I talented. mean, I looked, like I was I was praising him for his passing ability. There are yeah. very few bigs that that can pass like he can. Um, which shows me, me like that his basketball IQ is very, very high. Yes. And there's um, a reason he was projected to possibly be the number one overall pick that, that draft. And in high school too, he was the number yeah. one player in, in his class. Um, it's the same kind of savvy that like a vet, like Spence, he has that little bow thing where he draws, where he draws fouls with it so easily. And look like when we're in the bonus, it's an immediate two free throws for the guy. Mm-hmm. If only we could make both. And it's not even, it's not even like he never makes that shot. He's never going to make a shot. It's not even a shot, really. He's just pretending like he's going to drive and put something up, and then it's an automatic foul. So there's some of that savviness that I think in maturity that Evan Mobley will discover. Um, but yeah, man, we've got the, we've got them again on Saturday. That's the on the second night of a back to back. Who yep. who all sits for our team? No one. No one. You don't think? No. Oh. Interesting. I I think it'll be determined by the well, minutes that we, we play on Friday. Probably will because we play on Monday. If we were if we were off until Tuesday, maybe it'd be different. This um, has just been a brutal stretch for back to backs for this Mavs team. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I hope Luca doesn't. You gotta hope, but I don't, man. we're at the point here, and this is like an, a really important juncture in the season where we're five hundred. We fall back to five hundred again after this loss. If we lose to the Blazers on Friday, the the Cavs, who were then were playing at home in Cleveland like that, we, we don't want to take too many steps under 500. No, I do think we have a better chance against the Trailblazers on Friday. Uh, I mean, just throw the back to back out the window, right? They're not, I a, think, they're not a good defensive team. Yeah, they're not a good defensive team. I think we match up well. I think the difference between their bigs or I should just say they're big in Nurkic versus the Cavs bigs. Nurkic is not a good defensive player in my eyes. I think that we can really exploit that switch and Luca can, whereas, you know, this past game, dude, I, I, I think that in the first quarter guys were scared to go to the cup in all honesty. I, I just, it's what it seemed like. It seemed like they were just scared of the shot blocking. And so while we did get some good looks from three, it was just kind of like, oh, we just gotta, we have to take this shot because we're not gonna go get in the cup because we're gonna get block shots. And it's so, such a lug, it's such a luxury for this Cavs team defensively to have Jared Allen, of course, and Evan Mobley, because then Garland and and Mitchell and whoever else is out there can run guys off the three point line, and they okay, then they beat them, they hard close out, they can't shoot the, the wide open three. Then they get, you know, up to about 16, 17 feet from the paint. And there's just a giant there waiting for them. And they're like, yep. all I can do is either shoot a, a pull up or a floater 
But by the time I make the decision to do that, guess what? Those guys are so long that they're going to contest it and contest it pretty well too. Yep. I, uh, there was fear in our eyes in that first yeah. quarter, especially that's, that's what I think what really got us into a hole besides the, you can call it lazy defense in that first half, but yeah, it, it was just, I think it's a really poor matchup for us. Yeah. And Portland on Friday is going to be a much better matchup for us. And I just hope that, you know, Luca comes out aggressive and comes with that energy. I hope Spencer comes out aggressive and with that energy. Give, give crossed, the home crowd something to cheer about. Yes. Give the home crowd something to cheer about. Absolutely. Get us in to, get the crowd into it early. Like don't don't be around. I have don't to be around. You, uh did you hear that one woman? Like she was the loudest fan I I think I've ever heard. And I could hear it from the the telecast. She was sitting on in the second half she was on the cab side and she was on the baseline and she was like next to she was just to if you're looking at the basket she was just to the left of the basket and her and her partner i or whoever was there with her like her friend or whatever it was the person sitting next to her um she was just non-stop yelling i did not i did not catch that at all i could hear word like the actual words that were coming out of her mouth wow and it wasn't necessarily like she wasn't like Hussing at them and saying like "fuck you" or anything like that. <laughs> it was just like, I don't know. I could have. I was imagining myself like taking free throws in that moment with her like yelling stuff, and I would have just yeah. been like to whoever my teammate was like, "She will not be quiet." Like, I yeah, I don't know absolutely what's going on right now. It was. I, I didn't though. catch that at all. Um, yeah. I wish I would have. I wish I would have recorded the game and I could go back and look at it right now, but I can't. How about I got a question for you in terms of picking up on things. It's been all over Twitter this morning and last night. Luca didn't give the high five to Dwight. I don't think it was because of Dwight Powell. I think he just wasn't looking at Dwight at all. And he was given the absolute mean eye stare to Mark Cuban. I don't, I didn't see his face on the other side, but I think he was staring down cube and saying, Hey, you got to yeah, do but something. We, I mean, look, he's one of the most emotional players in the NBA. Absolutely. Every Probably. time Every time that guy steps on the court, no one is safe. Like the refs aren't safe. The other team isn't safe. Honestly, I think a lot of times the other team is safer than our own players are when they're playing with Luca. Cause he likes doing the like buddy, buddy with the other player when either he gets them or like there's a, there's a foul call and he's, you know, he's yelling at the refs and then he looks at the other player on the other oh, team. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like whatever, whatever he's saying, I'm imagining he's saying like, I wasn't a foul, but like, I got to try or something like yeah. that. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't take anything of that. Okay. Well, it's been making the rounds. I think like if you that... lose games, it's frustrating. Like oh, anyone absolutely. who's played pickup knows that. Like yeah. I rerun the pickup games in my head for like the next two <laughs> days. And my girlfriend's like looking at me, like, what are you doing? And I'm like talking Crazy. to myself being like, yeah. I should have, I should have shot that three when I was in the corners. And then <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? That's I'm glad you have the dedication. Yeah, man. Yeah, we all should. Got to get dedicated well, to something. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I'm dedicated to this podcast. That's what. Love that's that. where I. I'd be yelling at myself after like, yeah. oh, I shouldn't have said that. I put that in there. No, that's a bad word to use there. Anyways, is there any other things? Are there any other thoughts that you have from this game? Any thoughts going into this Portland game and possibly for this matchup against the Cavaliers? Although we probably will discuss that prior to the game. Maybe we'll do a double feature. Not really sure yet on that one. Yeah, I um, I'm I'm just excited to watch Dame, Dame and Luca go at it. Um, Dame's playing really good ball right now, and Simons I think is also just one of the most underrated guards 
in the NBA. Um, I think he, he easily could have a better year than CJ McCollum has ever had. And when he was paired with Dame, and I think that's saying something because that was one of the best guard duos in the league. The only, the only one that was really second to, we were in that, that time in the NBA where it was like, it's Beal and wall, right? It's Dame and CJ. And then of course at the top, it's Stephen clay. Yeah. So hundred percent. I think that's, that's all that to say, like it's a pretty meaningful statement to come out and say that Anthony Simons is maybe a better, better running mate than CJ McCollum ever was with Dame. Um, Jeremy Grant obviously is a is a really good player, kind of like a fringe all star guy. He'd yeah. be the second best player on our team probably. So um, I think play... I think you have I think you might have a point there. I think a lot of a lot of Mavs fans really wanted him on this team, especially at the trade deadline and for, in the I mean, for the longest time, right? Yeah. Like when he was on oh, yeah. Denver, we were like, let's let's go get that guy. He's yeah, it's kind of the perfect guy, and I think that was even at a time where he hadn't developed into who he is now. Oh, hundred right? percent. You know, when he was on Denver, he was. I mean, he was kind of the dirty work guy. He was not out there hooping. He was not out there scoring, I should say. Well, like he, he is he, now. Could sh- he, he showed in that year in Denver, like he could hit the spot up three, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that oh, was 100%. a totally different thing when he went to Detroit. Um, when you, when you, you're the first option on that team, right. it really helps you to develop into one, a confident score and to develop the skills to be a pure scorer. Like he, he may not be the, you know, the pure scorer. He's obviously not that the top guys are in the league. But he has the skill set and he has the confidence to go out there and get you twenty plus points a night if he if he needs to. Two two quick things um, that I was thinking about. One, I love our home crowd, but when it's like early in or late in the first quarter and Luke is having like one of his worst quarters of the season and we're giving him the MVP chance, let's relax. Let's wait until the second half yeah. when he brings it back and starts playing really really. That's well. fair. I think that's very fair. He was like, he had like three points and like got to the line and he was like two, I don't know. He was like one, he was like one for six and like he started getting MVP chance. And I was like, fire Luke. And then Let's I relax. Like, I like, okay. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Two, what do you think? I, this one guy, Aaron Tobin Hess, who has another podcast on the Believe Network called For the Love of the Game. Okay. Basketball guy, um, knows, a lot about the NBA and we should get him on at some point, but he, for the last like year and a half, just text me like, Hey man, Luca, he's like LeBron from the Cavs just can't work too heliocentric. Is he like, what's he going to do? And it, and it's like his kind of argument is that like Luca is hurting his team by the way that he plays. So what do you think about that? Oh, I, I hate people like that. I have to be honest. Um, I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure, and I'm he's sure it's very a more nuanced. It's more of a nuanced, right? Like argument than that. It's not just that, but that's correct. The basis of it. I think that you have to watch this team night in and night out to truly understand what Luca does for his teammates. Right. He, I mean, Le, let's be, you know, LeBron is LeBron. He is just, especially when he was with the Cavs early on, dude was just, I mean, just a monster, athletic monster, scoring every which way. So uh, let me say the the LeBron-Luka thing. So I was talking to another friend about this. Okay. And I said, Luka is in in their, like, in the current sample size of what we've been able to watch of Luka in his career. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, um, if we compare that to LeBron's paralleled career before he got to the Heat, right? We're basically Mm -hmm. just looking at Cavs-LeBron. 
Luca is a better scorer, a more diverse scorer. Mm-hmm. But Correct. LeBron had more ease in scoring. He was able to get buckets easier than Luca as far as I go. Because he was I, an athletic freak and he still is. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, you know, there were times where, in the same way that like John Morant and Zion Williamson don't have to do a lot to score 20 points. Yeah. Because a lot of times they can just either jump over a guy or run past a guy. Right. Whereas Luca is picking you apart with his brain. It's not, he's in not part because here. he has to. Yeah. Oh, 100. It's 100% because he has to. He's, he's so good at basketball. Right. There's a reason this kid won MVP at what 16 in in the while he was with Real Madrid. This, I mean, to say that it's heliocentric and that Luca does too much and it hurts his teammates is just a silly take to me because of the fact that he gets his teammates wide open shots night in and night out, and it's completely up to his teammates if they make the shot or not. That is, if he were to have. I don't I don't know what personnel package it would have to be but in the perfect world he's getting 14 assists tonight and that's just the reality of the situation cuz he's capable of doing that and I mean, if he has the with, right replace him with Jason Tatum on the Celtics if we replace Luka with Jason Tatum on this Dallas Mavericks team, not let, talking about like both, that the right. team's going to be that much better or anything or that it's a better fit, just the fact that like how many assists per game he would have. He would have he would have probably 15 assists a game and the Mavericks would be a lottery team. That is a fact. I uh, like I love Jason Tatum as a player. I think if you put him on this team, we are a top 10. We're picking in the top 10. That's just how it is. He's really good. There's um let me reiterate that. He is really good. He's definitely a better two-way player than Luca is. Better two-way player. Although Luca's defense has been really good of late. Been really good. And it's yeah. it's been amazing to see him evolve into hey, he guys can get around him sometimes, a lot of the time. Just because he's, you know, he's a slow guy, but he's using his brain on defense and staying engaged to get into the passing lanes to come over and get that weak side block. Jason Tatum just is not the facilitator that Luca is, and that's what this Mavs team needs. That's just the end of the day. You need a guy who can not only go get 40 points, but can also get guys open constantly yeah, I, and be I also able to think, pass like, the ball out. What, what I told my buddy Aaron is that if, if Luca was playing with Jalen Brown, his usage rate, like first off, Tatum and Brown both have their usage rate is over 30 right now. Lucas obviously is like league high. It's probably like 39 or 41 or something crazy like that. Yeah. It's like him, Giannis, and Jaw, I want to say, is like the top three in usage. That sounds right. But it would go down if he had Jalen Brown on his Of team. course. Yeah. I think the perfect second superstar to Luca is Shea Gildress Alexander. Well, I think yeah. that's... I mean, now you're that talking would be about... That you're talking about two top 10 players on the same team. Well, hey... If that's what it takes, not that we can go get him, not that we have the assets to go get him, but in a dream scenario, in a, in a perfect world, I think there's Shea, no other team that has two top 10 players on their team. Well, no, not now. And the, but I you mean, know, well, I, let's see, like later in the season, if LeBron starts turning it up a little bit here, because Anthony Davis is playing incredible basketball, right? Now. Yeah, lights out. Russ, even off the bench, is playing pretty good. Not but look obviously what you have to, to do, like to cr- the Lakers, look at the rest of the roster. You put two top 10 guys together. You can only do so much with the rest of your right. roster. So, yeah. I don't know. There's no other team, right? I mean, 
the Clippers are the closest. If Kawhi, yeah. like, if he's top ten, and PG's probably top fifteen. Yeah, I would say. Um, and that's obviously, you know, has to do with health because Kawhi's working his way back, and he's actually looked pretty good the last couple of games, but yeah. he's still got a long way to go. All right, man. Any it's uh, time to wrap it up? I any... think. I don't have any more closing thoughts. Uh, it's just don't get too down about this team. I think I keep saying this, but you just can't be overreactionary, especially with a Mavs team that's so up and down, up and down. It's just, it's not good for your mental health. Let me Let's reiterate start that. really reactionary, like on post in 10 days, we play the Lakers on Christmas. Then oh, if God, we lose, I would even say January, then we can start like really unraveling. Yeah, there, there will come a time. Absolutely. I don't know when that's, I think it's more of a feel than it is, you know, a set date. Yeah. just personally um but yeah just at this moment it's you know we're recording this on december 15th like just everybody just relax we're in an unfortunate spot but i think we can only really go up from here at, yeah at the, this the Baudelaire children always figure something out gotta i mean they'll all you know they'll figure it out Did you know I, I don't i don't know that actually a series of unfortunate one. events man oh dude yeah never never read those books Wow. And I know it's a series, right, on Netflix? Yeah, they made it into a movie with Jim Carrey. Then they made oh. it into a series on Netflix with Neil Patrick Harris. Um, By the way, this is yeah. totally unrelated. Can we please stop with the adaptations of video games? Like, the the latest one being God of War. Just let, let's just let God of War be God of War. It's, I, it's an amazing game. I mean, that video game is a movie in and of in and of itself. Absolutely, that is the only game I've been playing video games for a very long time. That is the only game I've played straight through all the way till the end, and probably stayed up. I started playing like noon on a Saturday, and finished playing eight a.m. on a Sunday. It was that you good. played it all the way through, all the way through in one yep. sitting. Yep, I was that blown away by that game, and. This new Amazon Prime series that they've just ordered is only going to be worse. It can't okay. get better here, than that. Here we go then. So what the Mavs need is they need a commitment. On they need to commit on the defensive side of the ball, like Wyatt yep. committed to playing God of War. Yep, That's absolutely. It. It's as simple That's, as that. I'm telling you, if you bring that kind of effort into every single game that you play, you're going to be in it until the very end. And with Luka Doncic, you're probably going to win the game. That's just how it works. In the modern day NBA, if you have the superstar who's ready to kick ass and take names, you're going to win the game, especially if you're playing your asses off on the defensive end of the floor. That's all I got. I mean, that's all, all I've right. got for this episode of the Believe in Maps podcast, I think. All right. Who's Let's, uh who's Atreus between the two of us? Who's Atreus? You're the younger guy, so you get it's you probably get me. It's probably yeah. me. Yeah. Although his decision making, I mean, he's way too rash. For it to be me i think probably five years ago it's a much more easy comp but yeah. atreus and god of war is such a god he's just such he's just ready to stab guys just, wait what's the my spoiler is that he's who is he i am i allowed, i guess it's been long enough right that you just have to like he's, he's loki at this point yeah he's loki yeah that's right yeah. interesting i always thought that was interesting I'm I'm in the middle of Ragnarok. I haven't finished playing it yet, but I'm I think I'm right in the middle of the game. But I've been taking a few weeks off to play more COD. And oh, the I'm, new one. I think I'm yeah yeah. You MW2. Like it? 
Um, it's pretty cancerous in terms of gameplay right now, especially because my buddies just want to play Shoot House 2. And Shoot House 2 is probably the worst thing on this planet. People just ADS down lanes. It's it's really brain dead gameplay. I don't know. I don't know what that means, but it sounds. Oh, complicated. they're just aiming down sites. Just aiming down sites. Like yeah. we're, we're right camping. down the two lanes. They're camping. Yep, they're camping. ADS, just brain dead gameplay. If you're like that, playing Shoot House Two, you should go touch grass. I should say, although I'm shouldn't be the one saying that because I probably need to touch some grass at some point soon. Yeah, um, I feel like I'm like watching. Car- I need to like go watch some Cartoon Network from like 15 years ago when they like <laughs> they would cut to commercial and it would be like go outside and play, like hey, go outside and play. Don't forget. To you play, said that kids. you were gonna start the Clone Wars. That's what you said. You said that was your next animated. That was like 15 years ago. Well, it started just, in 2008. Yeah, I just finished White Lotus, so we'll see what I'm moving on to next. I'm actually I'm watching this uh, 1899 on Netflix. It's about the Dude, Bermuda, that Bermuda is awesome. Triangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I finished it all the way through. It is about the Bermuda Triangle, isn't it? Loosely? Uh, I like guess. Loosely. I know it's like, uh, I've watched dude, the first three episodes. So have I you seen Dark not. at all? Yeah, yeah. It's the same director and writer yes. and the same yeah. actor. It's yeah. got the same like twistiness at the end. It's sure. like a, about the Bermuda Triangle, but at the end, it's not even close. Yeah, I don't want to like spoil anything for anyone. I'm not, oh, listening. I'm not. That's why I'm saying like very loosely to anyone out there who's still that's listening. Fair. It's, it's it's about the Bermuda Triangle. It, oh, it's it's crazy. I kind of picked to, up on what like it was. You have to like subtitles though, because there's a bunch of different people from a lot of different places who are speaking different languages. Hundred percent. Yeah. So you absolutely have to turn on subtitles. And I will say, I'm not trying to, you know, brag on myself, but at like episode two and three, I kind of figured out the main overarching twist. Hmm. But then they added a twist at the end of it too, that I was not expecting at all. So. Yeah, give it a shot. If you're still listening, give that show a shot. It's really Ooh. Yeah. I think well, that's why I can't do even it. talk right now anymore. I He's can't. Like about... <laughs> Dude, I, I've got I'm I'm I've got the burps right now. It's it's so unfortunate. I'm trying to wrap this up and I can't I can't even get the words out. I'm trying to give my roses to eighteen ninety nine too. What a roses great show. Eighteen ninety nine, hopefully roses to the Mavs on Friday and then on Saturday. Um we'll recap those games at some point, but Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Believe in Mavs. Wyatt Huskins, Alex Asopoulos, we will catch you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.